game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. And now, the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 chair. Puck on the left wing, Kane had it in his skates, didn't know where it was, trying to get it back, he can't, here's a two-on-one, McCarr to McKinnon, scores, Nathan McKinnon puts it right upstairs, Colorado's going to win it, 3-2 in overtime. Well, that's the finish to an outstanding hockey game in Denver tonight. Avalanche beating the Oilers 3-2 on that goal by Nathan McKinnon. Cam Moon on the play-by-play, 52 seconds into the three-on-three overtime. So the Oilers settle for a single point. Their five-game winning streak comes to an end. Their record is 35-23-5 on the season. They remain third in the Pacific Division, now just one point behind Los Angeles for second place. The Oilers do have a game in hand, and they're going to be right back at it against Dallas tomorrow night. Man, oh man, that was a good one. We're in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins for Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Well, Rob, I mean, look, we obviously got people listening who are disappointed that was not a two-point game for the Oilers, just a one-point game. Uh, but for entertainment value, to, to me, that was a 10 out of 10. It, it was. It was one of the best games of the year. It's funny, earlier this season, I watched a, a Flame game versus the Avalanche, and I said, oh, that is good hockey. Just great hockey to watch. And then tonight was the exact same. It's just skilled, uh, great plays, physicality, a little bit of nastiness, big saves, big power plays, big penalty kills. It, it had everything you would want. And to me, because of uh, how well Colorado's been playing and playing on home ice and Edmonton having a nice little push here right now and the fans were loud in the, in the building, it felt like a playoff atmosphere. And then you start thinking, oh, would this be a nice playoff series, seeing these two teams go back and forth? But uh, I, I think what it did was it showed the others, again, that it can play with the elite in the National Hockey League. It uh, shows the fans that, you know what, the others, uh, despite not getting, you know, a lot of fans wanted a goaltender in this trade deadline, but they'll get a goaltender. They got another quality start from one of their goalies that they can compete with the best. And they've done it in the last six games. They played three games against teams that are not only playoff caliber hockey clubs, but teams that are, you know, favored to go through one, two, three, or even four rounds of the playoffs. So this was a good game for the Oilers. It was a measuring stick. And I think the Oilers are pretty uh, going to be pretty pleased outside of the, the, the lost point in overtime, but pretty pleased with the effort that they put in. And they know where they stand with the rest of the teams, the rest of the best teams in the National Hockey League now. Well, we've talked a lot, not just this year, but the last couple of years about the Oilers' five-on-five play. There was actually only one five-on-five goal scored in this game, Rob, and the Oilers got it. Ranton got two on the power play. McKinnon scored three-on-three. Yamamoto's goal will be recorded as an even-strength goal, but the skater differential was actually six-on-five because Smith was scored for an extra, but was pulled for an extra attacker with a penalty coming to the Avs. So Kane's goal was actually the only five-on-five goal in this game. And I mean, look, clearly the Avalanche had chances, the Oilers had chances, but Mm -hmm. but five-on-five. I mean, I was pretty happy with how how the Oilers played. They played with energy. Um, You know, they forechecked. They, you know, they had chances around the net as well. And I think just sometimes it comes down to a little bit of uh, a little bit of execution or Kemper makes a, a, a good save. I mean, 
again, I think this was a really encouraging game and a really strong effort by the Oilers. I agree. Um, the one thing that the Oilers have had five and five for, for a number of years is drop-offs when Connor or Leon aren't on the ice. And at times, five on five, they've had to put them together because even as great as Connor and Leon are, the Oilers didn't have enough support to be able to have four quality wingers with them to be able to control play. And the thing that we saw tonight, even without Nugent Hopkins in the lineup, there was not a drop-off when they went off the ice. It wasn't where, okay, it's going one way, okay, now the ice is completely tilted the other. You know, the, the, the line with Shore that was out there, when he was out there, they were still pushing forward. Cassian had a strong game. Fogel had a strong game. Uh, Ryan McLeod, uh, with his speed, was pushing the, the Avs defenseman back. So there's a lot of players that aren't getting the same ice time as the Stars, but when they're out there, they're still doing positive things and still creating uh, momentum and keeping momentum. So uh, these are things that you want to, that you, you feel good about as a fan and as a as someone in the Oilers' management. And the other thing, too, to me going into the playoffs, the, the big question mark for the Oilers outside of goaltending is the right side on their back end. They've got two very skilled players in Bouchard and Barry. How do they do against a highly skilled team that can beat you one-on-one -on -one or a big physical team that can throw pucks in and four-check hard? And Bouchard has had a, a hard, long stretch where he struggled at times defensively. I thought both Barry and Bouchard in their chances. I don't recall a lot of plays where you think, oh, they were overmatched. And I think that's another good sign for the Edmonton Oilers because those are players they're going to have to rely on going into the playoffs. The depth players played well, and then the star players up front. So this was, this was a game, again, in, in all honesty, if McDavid wins the opening faceoff in overtime, maybe the Oilers get that extra point because the Oilers never really got control of the puck. And when you give players like McKinnon and McCarr, skilled players of that ilk, the, the, the faceoff in overtime, they can make you pay, and they certainly did. Well, and in overtime, Nurse's helmet comes off, and there's no option in that situation. You've got to leave the ice. If you stand around, try to play the puck, it's a penalty, and that's even worse in three-on-three three because then it's three-on-two instead of just five-on-four. Five-on-four. Now, Nurse got off. Keith was trying to carry puck, the puck up the wall, and he spun in the neutral zone, lost it in his feet, and, and then McCarr jumps on it, and that sets up the two-on-one with McKinnon. Well, the, yeah, two two bad breaks happened. The first break was uh, Darnell Nurse, who a really nice play on the one-on-one, -on -one, but when he went down, his helmet came off, so he has to leave the ice. And then Kane going through the neutral zone, he has no idea where the puck is. It, I think it hit him in his body, then it bounced down. And the third bad break or bad bounce was it was Kale McCarr on the ice because uh, Kane finally found the puck, but any other player but Kale McCarr, he doesn't get there in time. But Makar uh, read the play, and with his speed, he jumps up, and all of a sudden, Makar and McKinning on a two-on-one going against Connor McDavid. Uh, that does not usually bode well for the Oilers. And and then to top it off, uh, I, I'm a I'm a huge Nathan McKinnon fan. I, I love skilled players, and the the shot that McKinnon scored with. There's not a goalie in the National Hockey League that's stopping that. So, highly entertaining game. One that you wish you could have got that extra point if you're the Oilers fans. But I think the other fans are going to be pretty excited about the way their team played against some of the top teams, including the top team in the National Hockey League tonight.
All right, so 3-2, the Oilers fall in overtime. $200 donation to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous from James H. Brown and Associates. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. They're given $100 every time the Oilers score. All right, let's go back to Denver. Here's head coach Jay Woodcroft. I thought it was an excellent hockey game. We were right there, had chances to win it. Um, went to overtime in a three-on-three situation. Had a player lose a helmet, overskated a puck, and ended up in the back of our net. But I'm proud of how we competed tonight. Got a lot of really uh, good efforts. There were a lot of good hockey players out there. Talk about competing. I think Kyler would probably... I don't know if he's at the top of the list or pretty close. He was, it just seemed like he would not, you know, be stopped. And, and the Avalanche were starting to maybe even get annoyed by him with everything he was doing this evening. Yeah, uh, he refused to be deterred by anything tonight. And um, he's not the biggest man in the world, but he plays with a ton of heart. And, um, you know, it was a big reason why we got a point in a tough building. Yeah, little guys that play like that seem to get under the skin of the other team yeah. and make you better, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's um, he's in he is a little or a smaller player, but he's got a big trunk to him. So he's uh, he's willing to play inside equipment and willing to and has the ability to when he hits hit he hits hard. Um, but like you said, he he gets under people's nerves just through um, work ethic. He frustrates other teams and other players with his work ethic. With a player like that, I mean, he, he's right on the line. It yeah. takes a couple penalties, but I imagine when he's doing what he's doing, you know, you're kind of okay with that. I mean, that sometimes comes with it. You know? Yeah. Be careful. But Yeah, I mean, we don't want to take reaching penalties or anything like that. We want to check with our legs, but I had no issues with, with his game tonight. One of those, one of those calls might have issue with but you know like uh you know i got no issues with with yamo's game he's uh, giving you a couple of decent starts here you, are you liking yeah. what you're seeing there yeah he's given our team a couple uh, really good ones in a row here uh, he's given us a chance to win and um you know since he's recovered from that flu bug he's had a lot of time to work at his game and and we're seeing the the benefits of that. I thought his puck handling was a major factor in us breaking out and only giving up 16 five-on-five five shots against tonight. Jay, obviously a good effort against the best team in the NHL. How did you gauge your team's preparation and motivation coming into a, almost a measuring stick game like this uh, tonight? Yeah, I thought we were dialed in and um, uh, I was pleased with the way we competed. Like I said, uh, I don't think we gave up a five-on-five five goal tonight. Um, and the first two goals that went in went off people's um, bodies. That you know, those those things happen in hockey. Um, we're right there against the the team that's leading the NHL in points in, in a tough building. Um, happy that we got a point and. Uh, you know, we're going to get on a plane, we're going to refuel, and, and we're going to get ready for another tough game tomorrow night against a very game Dallas Stars team. Do you feel like this team's confidence is growing game by game? Yeah, what I think we're doing is we're establishing a way that we want to play. Um, or we're not perfect. Uh, there's mistakes get made. Uh, but on the whole, um, I think we're, we're adhering to principles in our game that I think will set us up uh, for success down the stretch run and into the playoffs. You said goodbye to a defenseman that I know you guys really liked. Yeah. 
Um, there's some players that are coming in to help out. Yeah. How does that make a team feel, do you think, on a day like this? Yeah, well, first on William Lagson, I remember him going back to uh, development camps in Jasper. Um, so a long, long time. And then uh, in my first year as a coach in the, in the American Hockey League, as a head coach in the American Hockey League, William Lagson was one of our best players, competed very hard. Um, I think it's a success for our scouting and dra or our drafting and developing uh, that we're able to produce a player. He was used... Uh, in a trade to you know to get another player uh, so that's a success for that department and we wish William well now that said with with uh, Kulak coming in we're excited to have him um, he's had a very good year he's, he's what have you done for us lately file over the last couple of months is pretty good um, and uh, we're excited to welcome him into our fold and also Derek Broussard welcome him into our fold is uh, someone with uh, a lot of playoff experience and I know in talking to him today that he was very excited about joining our team down the stretch. Will either guy play in Dallas? Um, no, and no. We we're a fairly healthy group here and uh, we're going to fly both of those guys uh, straight to Edmonton. Okay, sure. thanks. thanks. All right, that is Jay Woodcroft after the Oilers fall 3-2 in overtime to the Colorado Avalanche. Rob, he was asked about Kyler Yamamoto who has uh, quite the stat line today. He gets... <laughs> A goal and an assist. He's plus two. He takes three penalties for six minutes. Plays 20-48 tonight to Yamamoto. A couple of shots credited with one hit, uh, one takeaway, and two blocked shots. But he was definitely under the skin of the avalanche. You saw he and Ratnan yapping at each other on the way back to the bench. McKinnon took him down hard. Yamamoto and Nakushkin were, were kind of yammering at each other and putting their sticks on top of each other before a face-off. So uh, he was definitely noticed by the opposition tonight. He was. I, I, I thought Kane was the best player for the Oilers tonight. I think Yamamoto was the second best. And I, I, I said after, I don't know, it was the first or second period, you and I were talking about it. Yamamoto surprises people with his strength. And Woodcroft just mentioned it right there. He may be smaller in statue, stature, but he's, he's very sturdy. So that when he hits, he actually drives through guys. And you don't see that in a lot of the, uh, the, the smaller players. So going into the corner, uh, players are surprised that he finishes his check. And he finishes them hard. And then stealing pucks, coming from behind, lifting sticks. He's got very strong wrists and forearms that he's able to steal it from much bigger players. And it, if you're a bigger player at 6'2", 6'3", or a bigger player, and all of a sudden this little guy, not only he takes a run at you, but then you're going up the ice, he, he's able to strip the puck from you. It frustrates you. And then he's got uh, this tenacity about you where he just never stops. And eventually you get irritated and he took the penalties tonight, but you're going to see as this series, as this season goes on and then into a playoff series, he's going to draw penalties because he is going to uh, irritate someone to the point where they're going to take a swing at him. And you saw a few of the players getting frustrated tonight. So Yamamoto was good. Now, there is a line, though. It's funny. Uh, someone asked him if he, stayed, he got, was close to the line. I don't think he was close to any line, but normally the line is when you're running someone or if your elbows are getting up or late hits. The, the two stick penalties he had, the one he shouldn't have taken, and the one wasn't a penalty. So uh, he wasn't close to the line. He just uh, he, he played a very good hockey game. I think he's, his confidence is sky high. He's playing with two players who are also playing with a bunch of confidence and playing very strong. I mean, Kane has been outstanding as of late, and Connor McDavid had a fantastic homestand and, and continued that tonight. So that line has played well, and it's given the Oilers well, it's given the Oilers two good lines. Having said that, the Oilers' second line 
changed quite a bit as the game went on. And we'll talk about that as we move along tonight. I can tell you the Oilers a point behind Los Angeles for second in the Pacific. Now three points ahead of fourth place Las, uh, Las Vegas, who are beaten 3-0 by Minnesota tonight. As we check the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer, looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. Bruins over the Habs, 3-2 in overtime, and late in the third, Predators up 6-3 on the Ducks. In overtime, Avs get past the Oilers 3-2. Back in a couple of minutes, Heartland Ford, overtime open line. Live Oilers hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford overtime open line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 chair. Back in the left wing corner, wow. McKinnon out to Randon. His walks in, great save by Smith. Got the right pad on it. Here's McCarr. Mike Smith stops 28 out of 31. His record now 6-8-2 as the Avalanche beat the Oilers 3-2 in overtime. That was Mike Smith's save of the game for Reface Magic. Transform your kitchen with these. See the magic at refacemagic.ca. Rob, before we went to break, you mentioned the adjustment of the game for pro drain techs for peace of mind down the line. As the game went on, we saw less and less of Jesse Pugliarvi. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I saw him out on the ice. Fogel moved up with Drysaddle and Hyman, and they uh, finished the game that way. Uh, the, the problem for for Yessi is when he was playing before, before he got injured, he was playing, he was on the power play, and he was a big part of the power play. He was in front of the net, net front presence. Uh, he scored a few goals on the PP, but even when he didn't score goals, he... He was part of the play. He, it was his screen that would create something or it's his deflection or, if, or him battling in front. And when you're a young player uh, and you're supposed to be here for offense, that gravy time on the power play and, and the production you get on the power play, it helps you as a five-on-five player because you're confident. You had a power play goal. You were on the ice for a power play and it feels better. You feel good about yourself. You're a confident player. And you look at Kyler Yamamoto, when his season started going back in the right direction it's when yes was getting hurt and all of a sudden yamamoto was on the f- power play unit and he scored a couple power play goals his confidence soared and now he's scoring regular five on five he's got a ton of confidence now so i think the fact that yes he now is no longer on their power play i think it's affecting his five on five play he doesn't look like the same player the last couple now also the fact that he missed a lot of time uh the the coaching staff doesn't have right now the trust in him in a close game to make the right decision that's why they went with a a fogel who's just a little bit better defensively but yeah yes that was a something to watch as you go forward does that change next time i thought actually when nugent hopkins came back that he would be playing with yesi i thought yesi would go on the third line with nugent hopkins and have a a smart two-way centerman to 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 allow yesi just to play a simple game uh, we'll see as we go forward but yeah, Fogel was the player that played on Leon's drive uh, line to finish the hockey game. And yes, he has not looked as comfortable and as confident since he's come back from the injury. All right, 3-2. The Avs take it in overtime. Back to Denver. Here's Kyler Yamamoto. Kyler, you guys go toe-to-toe with the league's best team. Obviously not the result you guys want, but what are your thoughts coming out of this one? Oh, yeah, it's a good game by us. Um, you know, you give credit where credit's due. That's a really good team over there. Um, you know, they got one more goal than us. Um, but I thought we played a hell of a game and um, a lot to take away from it. Bounces are obviously a part of the game, but if not for a couple of bounces, this game could have easily gone your way. What does this kind of prove 
of the MT Northers down the stretch? Uh, it just shows that we can play with anybody. Um, you know, when we're on our best, um, you know, we can play with anybody. So I think uh, we got to look at the positives here and um, take that. Uh, there's a, I mean, you, you've always finished checks for the most part, but it seems like maybe it's just me over the last couple of weeks, you're really making that a more of an element in your game. Have you put a focus on that? Where is that coming from? Uh, you know, just trying to keep, um, you know, players in front of me. Um, you know, if you get a little bit of body on them, uh, you know, they can't get to your net as quick as you. So I'm um, just trying to take body and play better defensively. It seems like as a group, you guys have maybe, you know, realized that that's going to have to be a way that more of you guys can play. Is that fair to say? Um, I definitely think so. Um, you know, that's got to be, that's how we got to play in the playoffs. So um, you know, we're trying to learn how to play that, like that right now. Um, we got to keep doing that. Did you get hit more or hit the other guys more tonight? <laughs> uh, uh, I'm not too sure, honestly. Uh, hopefully, I hit, hopefully I hit more guys, but uh, I got hit quite a bit out there, so I'm not too sure. I don't know if it was a coincidence or not, but Miko Ranton and Nathan McKinnon seemed quite perturbed with you. Is that just kind of as the play developed, uh, sort of those sort of two incidents? I, I don't know. I don't look at it too much like that. Um, you know, he's giving it to me, but I mean... Part of the game, so I don't really. Yeah, and, and sort of, not necessarily part of your job, but maybe a, a development as you continue to fill out your role that other players are trying to, you know, come back at you, I guess, in some way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm trying to get under their skin, they're trying to get under mine. Um, I think I got under it a little bit, but um, obviously they got the better of us, so I didn't do a good enough job tonight. The pace of that game was one of the fastest games we have seen watched all year. What was it like to play it? Oh, it was fun. Um, you know, it was probably one of the funner games. You know, I've played in the NHL, so um, it was quick, it was fast, um, lots of plays being made. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was a good game, but um, tough we didn't get the win, but, um, you know, take away a lot of positives from it. Kyler, your line continues to produce. What about the dynamic of your line allows you guys to find so much success in recent games? Yeah, I think we're just um, building our chemistry. Um, you know, Kane's an unbelievable player. He's a 20-goal scorer in I don't know how many seasons. Um, McDavid's the best player in the world, so it's uh, pretty easy to read off those guys, and, um, you know, things are just clicking right now. Well, that is Kyler Yamamoto calling it one of the uh, most fun games he's ever played in. Certainly one of the most fun ones to watch this season. Oilers couldn't quite get the result, lose 3-2 in overtime to the Colorado Avalanche. Rob, we're going to talk about the power plays here for Extreme Power Products, your full-line Kubota dealer with four locations, including their new one in Camaros. Check out ExtremeWithTheNextPowerProducts.com. Now, look, at times this season, uh, I've criticized the Oilers' penalty killing. It's dropped off quite a bit. The Avalanche did go two for five on the power play. They are deadly. I, I mean, <laughs> drag moves, fake shots, one-touch passes. And I thought the, uh, the the kill, I mean, McDavid took a penalty with 643 left. And the Avalanche mm -hmm. could have won the game there. And, and they were deadly. They missed a couple, but I also thought the Oilers gutted it out. Smith, a couple saves, a couple tip passes, and it, it helped get the game into overtime. But the Colorado power play is vicious. It, well, when the Oilers' power play is on, which it has been for most of the season, every time they step on the ice for the power play, it seems like they're going to score. And they get two or three great chances every every power play, and it's either fantastic saves or bad bounces that uh, keeps the puck out of the net. Well, that's what we saw with, with Colorado's power play. Like all five power plays, they, they easily could have had five goals, the way they moved the puck around. They've got... I love Roman Yossi, and I think Yossi's going to win the Norris, but I'm not sure if he's better than Makar on the power play. I think Makar just, the way he moves across the blue line, the way he makes plays, uh, he gets that wrist shot off so fast. And, and we've talked so many times that when a defenseman shoots, 
it pulls the penalty killers out higher. And when it pulls them out higher, then you have cross-ice passes and it allows your guys on the, sh on the wings more time to shoot. And that's what Makar does is the defenders, the penalty killers, don't know is he, is he taking one of his wrist shots or is he moving it to one side or to the other. He's so good at it. He's, he's so subtle with the way he moves his, his stick that you have no idea which way he's going or if he's shooting. And that just makes them so effective. Uh, they win face-offs, which is huge. Kadri wins a lot of face-offs. McKinnon wins a lot of face-offs. They got net front presence. They got five guys on the ice that are the ability to score. I, that would be, there's very few teams in the National Hockey League, would you say, okay, you don't want to take penalties. You don't want to have a penalty-filled game because most of the time the Oilers are going to win those because they're power play. If there's like 10 penalties in the game, five and five, you're probably going to win because the Oilers usually have the better power play. Colorado can match them. That is a lot of talent that the two teams can put out on their power plays. Kale McCarr had two assists tonight, and he was part of set the line for River Cree Resort and Casino Excitement bet on it. We also had, uh, Rob, the points for Tyson Berry. It was combined points for McCarr and Berry. Berry held off the score sheet, so it was under two and a half. Jason is getting the $50 River Cree Resort and Casino gift card, and McCarr got the assist on the game winner by Nathan McKinnon, a two-on-one, 52 seconds into overtime. Avs take it 3-2. Okay, you can chime in at 780-496-0063. That is the hotline powered by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed Pro all the way. You're also going to hear from Cody Cece coming up on Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Won't get it out. Good job. Yamamoto kept it in. He'll get it low to Kane. Scores! Evander Kane finds some room on the stick side, and this game is tied at two. Well, that was the last goal scored in regulation time. Kane is 13th from Yamamoto at 9.01 of the second period. That made it 2-2. Avalanche win 3-2 in overtime. Whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game, you can go to the website, 630Ched.com, look for the Japanese Village goal light, and print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village. Featuring Alberta's own Brant Lake Wagyu, visit jvedmonton.ca. Trade deadline passed today, Rob. The Oilers get Brett Kulak for Lagason, a conditional second rounder and a seventh rounder. And they get Derek Broussard from Philly for a fourth rounder. What do you think the impact's going to be of these two guys? Well, I think there's a positive impact in the dressing room for the fact that the, the Oilers players are saying, all right, the GM went out and, and got us some more depth. And they're thinking, all right, they believe in us. So there's that positive attitude because there's a lot of players here in the Oilers that have seen players being shipped out on the same deadline because their team wasn't good enough. I don't know if the Oilers are, are a lot better today than they were yesterday, but they're a lot deeper. And we talked about this before the game is if if Kulak comes in and Russell's out, if that's where which way they go, now your seventh defenseman is a guy with 900 games that if anything happens going down the stretch or in the playoffs, well, I feel pretty confident that we're putting a guy with 900 games that has led the NHL in shot blocking. That's who we're bringing in in a playoff series. Up front, uh, Brassardi, he's been around for forever, and he's got a ton of NHL playoff games under his belt. So he goes in. Now you got it, whether it's Shore or, or Ryan or whoever it is that's not in the lineup, 
you've got a veteran guy that's coming in if you get into trouble injuries wise so you're not relying on young inexperienced players if you run into an injury or two come playoff time and I think that's huge as we've seen over the course of the last number of years if you want to go on a long run in the playoffs it's not it's not 18 skaters and two goalies that gets you there you're going to need 22 23 24 skaters over the course of those two and a half months or whatever it takes because it is hard hockey so the other's got a couple of uh, veteran players that have been around for a while they're going to be able to come in and fit in well and give them depth at two different positions up front and on the back end all right three two abs take it in overtime we'll go to the certainty hotline we have kelly standing by hi kelly go ahead hi how are you guys tonight good Good. I, I was just calling in to say I, I thought it was a great game by the Oilers, but I just find it very frustrating on how many times they get a chance to clear the puck out of the zone when they're penalty killing, and they just kind of pump it up the boards, and it just always gets intercepted by the other team's defense, and that turned into two goals tonight. Yeah, that's a great well, point, and they've, mm-hmm. they've had that problem in, in the past. The, the first goal, they, they missed a clear, and about 20 seconds later, they scored, and I'm not sure... Kelly, if it was on the, I think it was on the McDavid kill. Do you, do you remember, Rob, both Nurse and McLeod went for the puck at the same time, and then they both stopped, and then neither guy cleared it? And, and that's <laughs> usually... Got more chances, yeah. Yeah, that's usually a miscommunication, and, and player just not... I mean, McLeod hasn't killed as often uh, this year as a lot of other players, so didn't probably read it as well, and then it was a miscommunication. Uh, we've seen... How many times have you watched over the course of the last number of years where the Oilers or on the power play, and the other team fails to get it out, and then immediately the Oilers score a goal. You just can't give good power plays or great power plays second and third opportunities. You get the puck out, that's usually 30 seconds you've taken off the power play. By the time they get all the way back and get it all set up again, it's about 30 seconds. So when you fail to get it out, you've just given the best players on the other team 30 more seconds in the offensive zone to create scoring chances so you're absolutely right it's uh, the biggest bugaboo about uh penalty killing and why penalty killings teams that are struggle it's they don't get pucks out when they get are given the chance and a lot of it is some of it is uh poor execution some of it is the stress that the other team puts on you some of it is being under stress you, you there's a slight panic uh concentration focus all kinds of things but you're absolutely right, and when your t- when your penalty kill has struggled for a while, as the others have, you look at certain things that have have caused those struggles. Usually, the one at the top of the list is not getting the puck out when you have the chance. All right, we'll get another call here. We got Sir Robert standing by. Hey, Sir Robert. Uh, hey guys, how you doing? Pretty good. I want to start with a. Uh, I have a quick uh, a quick question, or I guess more of a more of a point that I'd kind of like. Uh, uh, Rob to uh, touch on, and then I have then I have a couple points on the game. But I guess uh, uh, my question is: I know I, I know I mean we I mean we all know the Oilers. They're not they're not by any stretch elite yet. But Rob, do you think that that for the Oilers part of part of getting part of getting there involve involves being able to being able to hang around with great teams like Colorado? Well, they gained confidence in this hockey game tonight. And I, I do believe that the Oilers group is a confident group anyways. I mean, they've got the two best players in the world. They they, they believe they can win every time they step on the ice. Um, are they elite yet? No, because they haven't proved it over a long stretch of time. But they're they're getting closer. They're up front. They, they're, they got a really good 
12 forwards. Uh, their defense, they've got uh, a couple players they would like to see continue to make strides and goaltending is an issue, but when the Edmonton Oilers get good goaltending, they can beat any team in the National Hockey League. And we've seen over the last month, they've been getting quality goaltending just about on a nightly basis, and that's why their record is so good. So they're not elite yet. They've got to prove it, but they're getting there. And the Edmonton Oilers right now are in a nice little stretch where they're proving to the rest of the teams in the West or in the, the National Hockey League that they're capable of being any team on the nights where they bring their A game and they're bringing it more nice than not. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's fair. And I guess uh, I want to say on the game. I mean, I didn't see. I didn't see the whole thing. I saw probably about the last 12 or 13 minutes. And you know what? I thought. You know what? Edmonton. To me, I thought that. You know what? I thought they looked good. You know, I mean, Colorado didn't get it. Didn't get a ton of crazy chances in the part of the game that I saw. I mean, neither did Edmonton. But you know what? For me, to for me, you know what? I thought it was. I thought the effort was there. I thought Smith played good. You know, to uh, when you look at a when you look at a team like Colorado. When I'm listening to the, the pregame, they they've lost eight times in regulation in the previous 52 for Edmonton to come out tonight and you know battle and and get it to overtime. To me, that says, and I do agree with Rob, the Oilers are definitely. I think they're definitely getting there when it comes to elite. They're not there, but I like what I saw tonight. Now, if they can, if they can go into Dallas tomorrow and win three out of four points in these two games, that's not bad at all. Yeah, well, tough back-to-back here going into Dallas now, but this was a good effort tonight. Colorado now at home, Rob, 25-3-3 and is their home record. <laughs> they're good. They're deep. Uh, they're going to get better. They got two good defensemen out of the lineup tonight, and they got a uh, you know a top five forward in Landeskog, their captain out of the lineup. There, this is a good hockey club. I think they they made some nice additions. I think the Manson addition was fantastic. You want someone like that in your lineup when you're starting to go into the playoff run. A little bit of nasty, a little bit of mean. It's Evander Kane found that out tonight. Uh, they find ways to win, and they're getting good goaltending. So, again, it was uh, the Oilers got one point, would love to have two, but they just went head-to-head with the best team in the National Hockey League, and they proved they can skate with them. Yeah, Ryan Murray, by the way, didn't play after the uh, the first period, Rob, as well. I never saw, uh, I never saw what happened there. Yeah, well, he only played... He only played 31 seconds, so he obviously got hurt early in the game. I saw the Avs put out on their on their uh, social media that he wasn't going to come back, but they didn't put that out till the end of the first period. So it obviously well, happened and, quite early. And, and Reed, he did get credit for a blocked shot. Well, that, well, that might have been when he got hurt then. <laughs> but also a great example for parents out there: have your kids play two different positions. McDermott started the game as a forward, finished the game as a defenseman. It's always nice having that in your lineup. In case someone gets hurt, you can play them in, in, in another position in a pinch. And I thought McDermott, a very, very physical player that uh, had some big hits. That had a bit of nasty in this game too tonight, Reed. It was, this was fun. It wasn't, it wasn't quite playoff hockey, but pretty darn close. 3-2, the Avalanche take it in overtime. McKinnon got the game winner. Ranton and had two power play goals. Yamamoto and Kane scored for Edmonton. We have Mike standing by on the Certainty Hotline. Hi, Mike. Go ahead. Hey, uh, I was just going to question on uh, Smith actually played really good tonight, I think. And also the trade deadline, I think they did a good job just with the cap hit with uh, picking up a couple of players. But the thing is, um, with Yamamoto, the embellishment that Colorado had 
he didn't even look like he touched him. And then also the penalty on on Yakamoto or Yama, uh, Yamamoto when Drysaddle was hooked and held down, and then all of a sudden he got a penalty. I think that was the big turning point of the game because Colorado scored after that. Well, there's always yeah, well, going to be penalties one way or another that are missed. Um, players get mad. It, it happens every game. I'm, if you go on to the right now in the Colorado show that's like ours, there'll be people saying that things were missed their way. It, the referee did miss the one. It, the Oilers could have been on a five-on-three. It was a corkscrew. And the Oilers certainly could have been on a five-on-three power play. And 10 seconds later, Yamamoto takes a penalty. And now it's four-and-four. Four. So those those plays happen. And as players, you just learn to play through it because referees like players and coaches make mistakes. And tonight, the, the referees made a couple. Yeah, uh, I think that I, I would have preferred on, on we talked about it after the second period, Rob. I would have preferred a non-call on the Yamamoto getting tangled up with McCarr. No, um, I agree. I don't think and, either guy deserved a penalty on that one. And I know I see a lot of talk online here that did, did Kadri get away with a penalty on Nurse? You know, did he pull the helmet off? Should have that been holding? I mean, he did kind of I don't think he meant to pull his helmet off. Well, players do. I don't, do. Think, that, I don't think that's a call. I think that's two guys no. kind of wrapping each other up, and they both went no, down. No, I agree. There, no, there wasn't a call there. It, just, it was unfortunate. It just bad break, and then it was followed by a second bad break where Kane couldn't find the puck. If Evander Kane finds the puck in the neutral zone, it's a two-on-two, and all's good, and the Oilers actually have control of the puck on a three-on-three overtime. He just couldn't find it. It just hit him in a weird spot, and... He started doing spinoramas, looking for the puck. The only guy that knew where it was was Kale McCarr, and unfortunately, 10 seconds later, ended up in the back of the net. But yeah, that was that was a terrible break for the Edmonton Oilers that the rule and Nurse had no choice. He had to skate off the ice, and the thing about it, in overtime, you switch ways you're going, so it is a long skate for Danell Nurse to get off the ice all the way from the front of his net. Yeah, I just watching the replay, Duncan Keith's trying to catch up, and... But Dave is good at a lot of things. De defending at uh, <laughs> defending a two-on-one is <laughs> not, not well, something McDavid's probably done a lot in his life. Two on one, two on one with okay, Connor yeah, McDavid might the be the fastest player guys. in the world. Yeah. Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon would be two and three. So it, that's a tough play. And I, I agree with McDavid. What he did is he went at McCarr and tried to make him force him to make a bad pass. Uh, unfortunately, for, pass for McDavid, or something. Yeah, yeah. You're just you're hoping to force it because if you give him time. They're going to pick you apart. So he tried to force it. Uh, McCarr made a nice play. It was, it, it turned, couldn't work out any worse for the Oilers that the puck ended up on McCarr's stick and the guy who was passing it to was Nathan McKinnon. And uh, again, it wasn't happiness for the Edmonton Oilers when it ended up on a stick, but wow, what a shot by McKinnon. There's not a goal. Again, there's not a goalie in the NHL that makes a save on that play. That was a wonderful shot by McKinnon, and uh, it was an unfortunate ending to what was a fabulous hockey game for Edmonton and other fans to watch. All right, we got Rocket standing by as well. Go ahead, Rocket. So I've uh, I've, I've seen five Stanley Cups, and uh, this was a playoff game, like you said, Rob. Totally, like one hundred percent. But I'm not going to get into. I loved every player that was on the ice. They they would not not have been in this game unless all got all every forward, defenseman, goaltender was in the game, right? And they were. Like I, I noticed everybody from Fogel, like you were saying, Rob, to uh, uh, you know Leon Drysaddle to Connor McDavid to down the lineup, uh, especially Yamamoto, like. 
dog on a bone that was like a great quote from Jack Michaels. And he literally is like a dog on a bone. That guy's crazy, man. I, I love him. He's a he's a great he's a, he's a really good hockey player and I hope he he plays uh you know, this way and the rest of the guys do. But they competed. They competed with the best team in the NHL. It was a good point. They needed a point. 20 games to 19, 20 games left in the season. Every point's valuable. And they got one against uh, who's – the odds are saying Colorado is uh, favored to win the Stanley Cup. Well, guess what? You never know. You make the playoffs, anybody can win. Look at 2006. I like the moves that Ken Holland made, adding depth players because we've been injury-riddled all year. I loved his explanation about, you know, not, you know, shooting for it this year, although he's never, ever going to come out and say that. He basically just said, we were up against the cap. We got two quality players. We paid, like, what, $800,000 for both of them because each uh, Broussard and... Um, you know, they, they, they took half the salary cap. I think it was a win for the Oilers in the trade. And and I think they're a lot deeper. And here's a stat for you. Everybody thinks, I, I was watching trade day, and everybody thinks uh, it was an arms race in the East. Here's a stat for you. The bottom nine teams in the East, have let in 113 more goals than in the West. Right. So, well, it's do way you agree? The East. Do you agree that there's a, a difference in the standings because the bottom nine teams in the East are worse than the bottom nine teams in well, the West? If you want to go argument's sake, then you can just say, well, actually, that's because the top eight teams in the East are so much better. That's why there's such a big discrepancy. The East is good. The the East, the, their top teams are fantastic. That is a strong, like, you look at the ten, the one division, it's going to be Tampa, Florida, the Leafs, and the Bruins. I mean, the Bruins could end up being in the top three now. They're tied now, or one point behind or tied with the Leafs. Those teams are strong. The East is strong. And there's a reason some of those teams that are lower down in the standings over there is because they have to play those strong teams over and over again. So, but once the playoff starts, anything can happen. You don't have to worry about the East until you get to the finals. The other's first competition will be the LA Kings. That's who they're probably going to play in the first round. So, but as far as the East, I had a, it was fun watching the trade deadline and you start watching all the players they're picked up. But you think about it, the East, Tampa, Florida, the Leafs and Boston made all those moves. Two of those teams could be out in the first round and you gave up all of that to get an extra to, to play in the first round. That's why I do not like paying big money or big, big draft picks for rental players because it does not guarantee you anything. All right, Oilers fall 3-2 in overtime. You'll hear from Cody Cece when we bring you back to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Okay, the Oilers' five-game winning streak is over. They are beaten in overtime tonight, 3-2 by the Colorado Avalanche. Edmonton's record is now 35-23-5. The Avs are 45-13. 
and five. Incredible. They have won uh, 41 of their last 53 games ever since starting the season, four, five, and one. Thanks to John Shannon for throwing out that stat on the face-off show earlier tonight. Let's go back to Denver. Here's the Oilers defenseman, Cody Ceci. Uh, that seemed like a real fast, real competitive game. How do you think you guys sort of function and manage in that game? Yeah, I think uh, as a team, we were looking forward to this one. It was a good challenge for us. Uh, we've been playing well lately, and we thought this would be a good test. Um, we played well. We played hard. Uh, I think maybe we took one too many uh, penalties, but other than that, 5-5, five five, I thought we did a pretty good job. What did you make of... Uh, you, you never forget how good they are, but it's been so long since you've, you've played them. What did you think of just sort of both teams maybe getting up to speed against the opponent? Yeah, I mean, uh, they're all great players, and uh, they've definitely all evolved and gotten better over the years. I haven't uh, played against them in a, in a couple of years, so, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was good to see uh, I mean, uh, how competitive they are now and uh, get a chance to play against them. Is there a team in a game that maybe pulls something out of you guys? Like, the, the, the speed you had to play at that, the intensity level, like that looked and felt like a playoff game in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think that's the way we kind of uh, approached it too. Uh, playoff style game, just try and keep it simple and uh, not give up too much. I mean, they're going to get their chances. They're some of the best players in the league, but uh, I thought we did a, a pretty decent job and uh, it was a good test. What's it like when it's that fast? Like, I know NHL games are all fast. I get it. That one looked even faster. Uh, fun? Scary? What's it like playing that game? Yeah, they're fun. I mean, uh, they have a lot of fast players, and they, they come in waves. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good challenge uh, to see uh, two of uh, two or three of the best, uh, the best players in the whole league go at it tonight. Just a little off topic, but on topic, Mike Smith had a great game. The guy turns 40. Um, you've seen him kind of up close and personal. Tomorrow he turns 40. Yeah. This, what do what you think of kind of what he's battled through to continue to be playing at this age? Uh, it was great to see him uh, compete like he did tonight. Um, yeah, at that age, I mean, that's, uh, that's tough to do. So uh, he's a great guy in the room. So it was nice to see that, uh, that tonight him, him play well and keep us in the game. All right, that is Cody Ceci as the Oilers settle for a single point in Denver. They are right back at it tomorrow, 5 o'clock for the face-off show here on 6.30. Chad, the game will start at 6.30. Bob Stoffer will have Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. Oilers GM Ken Holland is scheduled to join him. Get more on this game and more of the Oilers trades today. The acquisitions of Kulak and Broussard on 630Ched.com or globalnews.ca. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. We've been in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Hartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Good night. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.